This week on Investing in Cannabis, we have Poseidon Asset Management, founding partners Morgan and Emily. They've been featured on Vice, The Economist, Fortune, and many other publications. And they are also members of ArcView Investor Network. As always, you can follow our show at Cannabis Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Facebook by searching Investing in Cannabis. Leave us a review on iTunes. Subscribe on YouTube. Support us every possible way you can. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. This is episode 11, 10, 11. I don't know. My producer knows these things. I don't know these things. I just come here and I talk. That's all I do. I just sit down and I start talking. I think it's episode 11. 11. <laughs> and uh, we set out to talk to founders and investors in this space, right? We wanted to legitimize the industry, talk to the people that are smoking weed, but that are also doing real shit with their lives, right? Because that's what we all do. We do real shit with our lives and then we go home and we smoke weed. So what we found is that there's a lot of awesome founders doing cool stuff and not so many investors, not so many investors. And why are there not so many investors? Because they're not qualified to be on this show because they're bullshit, corny ass, wannabe <laughs> cannabis investors. And today we have some real legit keep it 100 investors. Morgan, Emily of Poseidon Asset Management. What's up guys? How are you? Thanks for being here. Thanks for such a great intro. For yeah. sure. We do the real awesome. intros here, right? Like, yeah. we're not fucking around. It's yeah. not a game. I like the no bullshit investors. No bullshit investors. Yeah. So we had Brian Holmes on the episode a few episodes back. I'm sure yeah. you guys know Brian. Yeah. And I started with this intro. I was all riled up about it that night because <laughs> there's too many people kicking tires and bullshitting and sending decks. And, so many. Right? And yeah. then no one writes checks. No, no one writes So I said, Brian, no I commend written. you for writing checks. And I commend the two of you for the same thing. So tell us about Poseidon. What's the strategy here? Why cannabis and, and how do you do this? You want me to kick it off? Sure, oh, go ahead. Morgan. Sure. Well, um, why cannabis is, there's a family tie to this. Um, that, that goes back to our parents. And, uh, you know, really cannabis is a, is a right of choice, right? And so, unfortunately, when our parents were uh, in their youth, um, they enjoyed having it, but then when they had kids, it was obviously not such a right thing to do from societal pressures, and so they gave it up even though that was their their choice to to relax, to unwind, to manage anxiety, whatever. Just yeah. like if you drink and, wine yeah. or have a scotch, or this is just another outlet at the end of the day. Yeah. Exactly. Dead through it, too. That's Here's right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. In Buffalo, New York. In Buffalo, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of sketchy, yeah. right? What year are we talking about growing uh, cannabis like in 76. Buffalo? 76. Okay. He didn't think the other stuff was good enough. Mm. He was a quality man. Mm. So, All right. Yeah. <laughs> So unfortunately, um, he got very sick with cancer, and uh, and this was back in the in the mid to late 90s. Uh, and coincidentally, 1996, the year he passed away, is the year that California passed yep. legislation to allow for patient ac uh, access. And you know, we remember when he was in hospice care, uh, the nurses, you know, they're wonderful people, amazing, mm -hmm. forward-looking people, doing whatever they can for the patients. And seeing our father very ill, um, asked him if he would like some cannabis. Why not end of days, try to ease the pain, whatever. But he wouldn't do it because of, uh, didn't want to put the family at risk. Mm. And so that always hung with us. And, uh, you know, several years ago, um, 
you know, Emily was just moved out here. And um, I'll let you take it from, from here. Yeah, I moved to California about five years ago, and I opened up the newspaper, and there's advertisements for butter, for wax, for cheese, all this stuff. I was like, what is this? And I saw all these stores, and stores started to have brands and started to take shape rather than just being a backdoor operation. And I called up Morgan, and I was like, this industry is happening here. This is something that is actually taking place. And we always had that entrepreneurial spirit. Our parents were entrepreneurs. And so we just kind of felt like this is it. This is the one time that something can be really new and uncharted. And after that, there's no looking back. We just have to do and something. what were the two of you doing at the time? Mm -hmm. I was a researcher and consultant for an independent boutique in New York. I had massive clients like Viacom, American yep. Express, and and all of the sub brands um, and so I was doing a lot of that going around evaluating companies working with consumers and and different people trying to evaluate market segments and where these places fit in society and what they could do to grow their user bases and things like that mm -hmm. so just kind of always looking at everything from that lens and when you saw so. cannabis you're like hey that's a market segment that's an opportunity space yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so yeah. yeah 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 and so but then morgan was the one who identified we looked at all these different ways to get involved in it and now we're starting to see those companies actually happening by other founders but morgan identified the strategy that we ended up going with yeah yeah so i come from an investing background i started buying stocks with one more money at age 12. Uh, exxon Mobil. <laughs> um, would never buy that again now because of my my views of the world have changed. But, but you probably time, did pretty well on them, though. I did very well. I yeah. uh, was also a buyer of Apple at a young age, too, which also was very, very good. Me, too. At, like, know. age 15, I was like, these guys got something going on here. <laughs> right. And I had a little bit of money, and yeah. then I was like, yeah. Yeah. Apple, let's do it. Yeah, like if In and Out went public, I'd be the first one to to buy In and Out. <laughs> yeah. I just buy shit that I like. Did you I buy like. Shake Shack when it? No, um, I didn't buy Shake Shack. I don't, know how I don't either, but I like Shake Shack. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, what so. were you? What were you doing? We tend <laughs> to get on a lot of tangents. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Shake Shack know. fits with yeah. you know consuming. Yeah. It does. It does. It that's an ancillary yeah. play. That's, that is so. an ancillary <laughs> <laughs> um, So yeah, so it just you know it was always just a personal passion at a young age, turned professional. And worked, you know, at the big one of the big brokerage firms for a couple of years. Transitioned over to a private firm, you know, working managing portfolios for individuals and um, nonprofits, endowments, you know, so on and so forth. And then when Emily, you know, had the light bulb, uh, I took a look at the industry and said, you know, well, if this is going to become mainstream. Uh, it needs to be capitalized, and it needs to be in a way that people can do it in a, in a lower risk way. Mm. And, uh, and I didn't see anyone doing it the way we looked at doing it, which is in a very broad focused, you know, capturing the industry, but doing so in a very risk focused way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's, and to this day, really, no one has what we're really building out um, to the to the degree that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and tell me a little bit what that means. I mean, why is your fund more risk adverse than than others out there? Um, well, you know, taking a cue from 500 startups, you know, it's, you know, really looking at the numbers and understanding how many investments you really have to be making to actually reducing risk, mm -hmm. you know, and, and most of the funds out there in general are not doing that. They're not getting the numbers high enough. 
And so we're trying to do that. And, and it's been challenging because the industry, you know, we've gone through these different cycles already. Um, you know, we called cannabis 1.0 and cannabis 2.0 at this point. Uh, where you know it's hard to get those numbers up, but we're starting to. We're starting. The portfolio size is getting much larger. The number of deals that we're investing in is getting much greater. And what's that number look like? What's the sweet spot to, to de-risk this month? Uh, for the number of companies in the portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, I think we're at about twenty. Okay. And so we're just going up from there. Got it. We took it a little slow last year. Got it. it was definitely a ramp up, but um, yeah, we've been adding. We just did two in August alone, so. Yes, a long road of due diligence before we're writing the check, and I'm sure our founders would say that's the truth. <laughs> but we try to be super supportive along the way and yeah. bring in, in other investors who do write checks. We have a nice little crew okay. of active investors that we like to work with, cool. who we share philosophies with. Got it. But you got to get your numbers up if you're going to catch a unicorn. So you can't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I come from a little bit of investing yeah. background. Kind of the idea in startups is like if you make 10 investments, yeah. and, and correct me if you don't feel the same, but you make 10 investments and, you know, eight of them are going to fail miserably, right? Like miserably. Yeah. One, maybe you break even, they have a soft exit, soft landing somewhere. Yeah. And then one, you hope pays for everything else. Right. right? That's is that what you share? Is that kind of the numbers that you, or even less than that? No, I mean, st the startup failure rate is nauseating. Yeah. <laughs> you, you invest in the people you think are going to survive and pivot and work through those transitions and maybe have an honorable exit, as one of my um, investing idols likes to say. But uh, we are diversifying not just in like early, across different companies, but in, across a stage of company too. Okay. So in cannabis, you've had all these operators who've been running for a few years already. Um, and now they're at that point where they are they are looking for growth capital or they're looking for ways to expand their businesses into other areas and we're there ready to support them. And some of those guys are just really amazing because you want to see some amazing operators and founders. They've been running against all odds mm -hmm. in this industry with every possible barrier presenting itself along the way. And so those guys have their businesses in really good shape, mm -hmm. button up, ready to take it to the next level. Yeah. And they've been dreaming of this moment where it's ready for the lid to like just pop. Yeah, off. I mean, we're talking about challenges in, in digital growth, right? Mm -hmm. In marketing, financial challenges, having to do everything in cash, right? What yeah. else? What else are you seeing? That's no really data. They're just shooting in the dark, like yeah. trying to do their own. I mean, we've been experiencing that too. It's like you have to build your own data from just your experiences. Um, in other industries, you have Nielsen, you have all those groups helping. Now there are companies doing that in cannabis, which is really exciting. Um, well, that was an amazing transition. Oh, good. Into headset, oh. right? Because I did my research before this, so yep. you really should do this job. I'll just go in the corner. <laughs> but uh, so this is one of your newest investments, right? Yes. Tell us what headset does. Well, you kind of already did. But yeah. Tell me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Headset is approaching the cannabis industry the way that Nielsen or other big data companies approach other consumer goods or services industries, trying to help product companies or service companies understand what the broad market is doing and try to narrow it down to see trends in terms of which products are selling better, where and why, and things like that. So that's really valuable because it really helps these guys to help to know what's what's working well and what they should be focusing on and what they need to do to bring other things up. So, so give yeah. me, oh, go ahead. Oh, and I was just saying, you know, I think Emily really uh, knocked this one out of the park because right Same. from the beginning of when we started the fund, uh, Emily was noticed that there was no data. You know, there was a massive missing component in this industry and we've been searching 
mm-hmm. for the team, the right people that could that could really drive mm-hmm. that uh, that fit, that need. And uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to meet Cy, and uh, you know, they had great success with Leafly before. Yeah. And you know, transitioning over, it's like this is a great team. It's it's a marketplace that we want to be a part of, and so it was just a nice uh, you know. Um, lining up of events, and that worked out very well for us. So, I mean, as an investor, that's a relatively easy check to write, right? They had Leafly, these are not first-time founders, tremendous success, big exit, like you crossed off so check, many check, other check, things check, already, check, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. What else, what else did you look for? What, what about headset was like, yes? You know, I think that um, giving up data is going to be, is has been something that traditional operators have not wanted to do because it's they've had to hold it close to their chest because of all of the different people looking over their shoulders, be it the government, be it whatever else. But um, I think that his relationship with people in the industry and he's paid, he's taken the time to really get to know people in the space, mm-hmm. not just through Leafly, but through his own personal interests in, in the cannabis industry. And so we knew it would kind of have to come from somebody who does understand the intricacies of the space, not just um, looking from looking out coming in, um, but also that he is looking to partner with people who do have experience like people coming from Nielsen. So yep. I really like the way that he's approached the staffing of the company and yet still staying entrenched in what is unique and specific about mm-hmm. the cannabis industry. Yes. Well, the lack of data in this industry is just completely asinine for me. It's I come bananas. from a startup background, right, where absolutely everything is data-driven, like data-driven, painfully yeah. so sometimes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's such a huge hole, particularly when we're talking about health, Mm-hmm. Right. Even if you want to go short of calling it medicine, we are talking about health, something you consume here. Yeah. And knowing levels of THC and shout out to Steve Hill. But uh, yeah. yeah, testing all Dang, that data. Company. But you yeah. have to have a place to maintain all that data, right? Individualize it. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, we're just in Excel all day, which nobody, you guys are probably really good at Excel. I'm not, but. <laughs> Unfortunately so. Yeah. There is a question here somewhere. Go, well, go ahead. <laughs> so I was going to say, you know, what's interesting, though, is, um, you know, we're looking at all of, all of the facets of the industry and, and our companies and, and where we're trying to uh, find new uh, investment opportunities is so many people try to take existing ideas for other industries and force it into this industry. Mm. And and it's, it's like a square peg in a round hole. It just doesn't work well. And you have a good example? Well, you don't have to name names. Obviously. Yes. Uh, one of our other companies, um, you know, that's doing fantastically well, um, came in with the understanding that they worked in gross. They understood the pain points for them to become compliant with state laws and, and just the amount of uh, writing things down and then and then transposing them to Excel spreadsheets and then having to upload them to the state and hope that you know no data was lost along the way or information wasn't wasn't reconciled properly and, and, and the amount of hours and time because the existing systems were not built by the industry for the industry mm-hmm. and these guys did exactly that mm-hmm. and they're and they're really doing well with it and uh, and because they understand and and so from there, then they're bringing in very qualified talent from other industries that can then build this platform up. And so it's you know leveraging both the expertise of the industry and then utilizing outside expertise as well. And that's we think that's a great winning combination. Mm-hmm. Got it. So what's a common use case? I mean, what's what's a typical customer for headset? Who, who would that be? Like Auntie Dolores and Edibles brand, um, they have a lot of different SKUs. They have like pretzels and uh, cu- um, pecans, pecans and brownies. And brownies. And um, so trying all very to tasty. under all very tasty, but so for them trying to under and they have different levels of dosage, 
So try and understand which types of products are selling the best in which areas. They have different price points. So all of that data could really help them to say, okay, in this area, we're actually doing really well with our pretzels. We need to be focusing more on moving things. And maybe we want to bring our other savory lines into that area. Mm -hmm. Or right here is a, a pocket of intense patients who are really suffering from cancer. They tend to go to this particular shop. Mm -hmm. And so we should really have those higher dosage brownies there and because mm -hmm. we're getting feedback for, through this that the higher or the higher dosage things are selling more regularly and other things are sitting on the Dis shelf. And dispensaries too. I mean, oh, yeah, you dispensaries know, like for what they're ordering. Yeah, to get their order flow. I mean, they need to they need to get better at inventory that. management. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they could be so much smarter about their buying. I mean, there's there's a couple here in in uh, San Francisco that are they're doing excellent. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're leaders in the dispensary model, mm -hmm. but there are thousands of other dispensaries around the country that are nowhere near that kind of level. And this is where headset can bring the game up a bit. Mm -hmm, totally. But that requires a good amount of hardware too, right? I mean, to, in order to capture this data, there has to be some hardware installed somewhere, right? I mean, how, like how a POS? A POS, yeah. I mean, how's the integration coming yeah. with the different POSs? I mean, that's a pretty good size obstacle. To so that's an area that I think is definitely a hot hot area right now. Yeah. We know there are quite a few companies that are looking at how to best solve the POS issue that exists today. Mm -hmm. And headsets, I mean, that's another thing I like about Sai. He's one of those people who likes to cooperate. So I just see him looking to collaborate with all those POS people looking to plug right in. I know he's been talking to like MJ Freeway and Green Bits, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we'd love for him to talk to Flow Hub and, mm -hmm. and whoever else is putting mm -hmm. their hat in the ring there. But yes, that that is an infrastructure that needs to be built out. Yeah. And, and, and what percentage of dispensaries do you think are fit and ready to handle a headset? Definitely in Colorado, many of them. Okay. I would say a good majority yeah. of them are. Washington, too. Washington State, absolutely. Um, in California, um, two pockets, degrees. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it's going to, I mean, that's on Monday, we're going to a meeting about the, the new regulations. And so I'm sure we're going to get some guidance on that and hopefully help to influence and participate streamlining that process because it will just make everything better for the operators in the end. Yeah, got it. Even though, you know, hopefully 2016 goes through. I mean, that's, and, and goes through in the, in yeah. the right way. Feels like but, it's going to happen. What do you mean by the right way? Because I feel like it's going to happen, but what do you mean by the right way? Well, if you look at other states such as Washington, when they, their initial regulations, when the program rolled out, it kind of sucked. Mm. You know, they had problems. They had huge spikes in, in, in uh, mismatches of de uh, demand and, and inventory access um, because they, they were quick to issue growing licenses, but not as quick to do dispensaries. Mm. So there was tons of product and, and nowhere to distribute it. Mm. Um, so one, you're forcing it in the black market. One, you're crushing prices, which is crushing the growers. You know, there was guys that got wiped out right away. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, being a little more understanding of the full value chain and, and the components that go into it. And then also tax rates. You know, the initial tax rates up there were awful. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in economics, that's like the tax wedge, right? And the farther you drive that wedge, the farther you're gonna, you know, continue to foster the black market, mm -hmm. which we don't want. Yeah. You know, and, and California being such a massive state, it's gotta be well thought out so that, you know, you don't have a burdensome multi-layer of, of bureaucracy con trying to control all these different segments. Um, so that you don't know who you're supposed to be reporting to or who can really do what without, you know, so on and so forth. It needs to be easy to understand and efficient. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Well, and the, then they just left the medical market completely unregulated up there. So they weren't yeah. testing it for Great point. Yeah. molds and I think pesticides. That's, that's something I was thinking about was more really recently. Crazy. Yeah. Like, when we get recreational legally, mm-hmm. what happens to the medicinal side of it? You know, what happens to that whole way? Well, it'd be nice to see it being treated kind of the way they're treating it in Oregon or, or in um, Colorado where if you do have a medical condition, and because you know we're not there yet with the federal support and insurance where you can get you know your copay, copay. Um, at least you pay less for the for the material. You pay less for the product. Yeah. So because yep. you're not taxed at, at the. Sure. Rec- I mean, yeah. at the at the risk of sounding insensitive, if I put my law lawmaker hat on here, yeah. right? Like, why would I let medical persist if the whole goal is to generate tax revenues from the higher tax rate of recreational, right? I mean, I just try to think through it from both ends. What do you, what do you say to that? I mean, is it make enough of a difference that medical needs to persist? I mean, I see cannabis as a medicine. Okay. So I do think it's it, it's necessary because we can't price people out of their medicine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's a, a, a way for people to see it as medicine if there are organized structures and systems. I mean, if I were to sit down and try to put on a lot, like a politician's <laughs> hat, I think I'd I'm kill like the myself. worst candidate yeah. to be a politician ever, right. by the way. Yeah, me neither. My no. skeletons are like in the living room. Forget the closet. Yeah, <laughs> on my porch. Yeah, no, I could not. I could never think that way. So I, I have a hard time. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, why would they want to? Why would the they do that? Right? Um, so the other way to look at it is look look at Canada. Okay. Yeah. It's fully legal for a medicinal marketplace to the point where insurance, you can get insurance reimbursement for the purchase of medicine. Mm. So if you want to have a fully regulated market here in the United States and you want it to be the same tax level, that's fine, but allow for insurance coverage yeah. to supplement that's the, the cost of it. Yeah. Uh, and then you're, you're all set. I mean, the biggest problem you know, we have right now with the whole medical recreational it, you know, as, as I'm just said, is it's it's actually backwards. You know, medicine, uh, medicinal cannabis is actually less regulated, which is insane. It should be even probably higher regulated, held, held to higher standards. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that there's still pesticides showing up in cannabis mm-hmm. that people are ingesting to crazy. make themselves better yeah. is crazy. Yeah, and it's existing, and it's it's happening. You know, it's still happening in Colorado, Washington, and and. California too and you know it's people like Steve Hill that are helping to drive the legislation to to make sure that that stops happening. So I find it alarming that there aren't expiration dates on cannabis right? It's a really good point. I mean anecdotally I know that cannabis goes bad. Yeah. Right and if you're fortunate it means that the potency has dropped. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're unfortunate it means you have mites or mold or whatever. Right? I mean, why hasn't that happened? What needs to change for that to happen? You know, I mean, you're absolutely right because the same thing applies to pharma drugs. They yeah. have expiration dates. And that's pro- mainly because I think the insurance companies are basically covering their ass and then it trickles back to the <laughs> Got it. pharma yeah. companies. Same thing all around, no class action suits. But we can't even get there, right? So, I mean, it's funny you say that because I just, we were at an ag tech conference because we go to all sorts of things to try to find. Ag tech. Yeah, ag tech's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, very connected. Yeah, very it. connected. But this one woman there had come up with an app that you could use to uh, keep track of when your produce is going to go off. Uh-huh. And I was like, you need to put that and take that and yeah. make it for cannabis so that yeah. I like plug in, oh, I just got my veganic strawberry, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. And it'll go off by X date. So 
better get to it. But she was like, she was like, no, I don't really want to cross over to that. So mm. that's a freebie for anybody out there. I don't mm. know. I think it's a, a needed thing. Because mm. well, the mold thing is problematic. You may not have yeah. mold when you get it, but you might after somewhere if you don't. I don't know how long. Right? That's the problem. I don't yeah. know. How long. Right. Yeah. Well, that's also the. I mean, you're, you're nailing it right on the head. Is we don't know. There's still a lot of data to be understood and and to to know exactly how long. We that bring that back to the data, man. Yeah, yeah. we got a future in this. You know? <laughs> Best buy X date. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I anecdotally, I also saw I saw a 60 Minutes piece. Shout out 60 Minutes, like the best news ever. Yeah. Right. But uh, <laughs> great coverage of the industry. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. But um, that the expirations we do have on food are largely arbitrary. Yeah. And they're mostly conservative to encourage you, of course, to throw away your hummus and buy more, right? Mm -hmm. So that's sort of unfortunate, too, that, that unfortunate. we're sort of being duped in, I don't know. Well, there is a company, I guess that is what, what's his name, MyDX is trying to do, because then yes. if you have it at home, yeah. you can put your little note, your smart nose technology yeah. on it, and it could be like, this is molding. And yeah. does it work? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'd like I'd like a free one if anyone wants me to bait it. <laughs> yeah, shout out MyDX. Yeah. They're in San Diego, I think. I like okay, San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back to your fund for a second. Mm. That was amazing tangent. You guys <laughs> are so highly informed. Amazing. Uh, so I read that a third or so is built in for uh, this current fund, right? This current round of investments. Or 36%. Did I see? Did I see that number? How do you get to 36%? Maybe that's in, in the public space. When we have about, we have, yeah. Bad question. That's okay. Well, Bad we, question. I think we were also at about a third of early stage, too. Third Although that stage. might have just popped yeah, up. We did just do those two in, in August. Still is about, it. Is it, yeah. yeah, because we oh, had. because of that, yeah. yeah. Got it. Cool. Let's talk about a couple other of the investments, right? Yeah. So you have a Mass Roots pin on right now, Woo. which is very cool. I got to get one of those afterwards. Yep. Oh, I think but we can make that. You probably can make <laughs> yeah. that happen. Shout out Isaac. He's going to be on the show someday. Awesome. If he ever comes out here, but yeah, Come let's on, make Michelle. that happen, man. Come on, we got yeah. your best friends here. Isaac yeah. delivers. Okay. Does he? Yeah. He brings it. That's yes. what I heard. Yeah. That's what I heard. Mm -hmm. That's what I heard. So <laughs> tell me about Mass Roots. Tell me about the, kind of the thesis there a little bit. How early were you guys? You know, tell me about that deal. Yeah, uh, we were pretty early, um, and you know this is actually was a benefit of our queue. Mm -hmm. um, Isaac, you know, he was pitching regularly from the start through the Art View network, and we just happened to be involved very early on as well. And so, you know, we just we were watching him for a while, and as as Emily said, he delivers. So when he gets up on the stage and says, "I'm going to do X," sure enough, by the next time he's there, I did X. Now I'm going to do this. Yeah, and he just keeps nailing it and building this this great social. Uh, platform where you have the most dedicated, uh, enthusiastic user base you could ever get in in social media, yep. right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's genius because they're they're growing at something like fifty thousand users a month, maybe even more than that mm -hmm. at this point. And uh, now they're starting to monetize the the platform, and it's amazing because anytime they put up something of you know a recommended product or something. People are buying it because they're mm. so enthusiastic mm. about it. It's incredible. So, and that means they built that trust in that brand yes. as well, right? You see something on Mass Roots that has some credibility mm -hmm. yep. to that. And they're, you know, they're doing a great job of of spreading it across the other social media platforms. Mm -hmm. But because the other platforms don't allow advertising, he's got a great network. Mm -hmm. And uh, but Isaac is again coming back to he's extremely passionate about cannabis. Mm -hmm. You know, he's openly on CNBC. You name it. You know consuming cannabis because he believes in it. Mm -hmm. And so what he saw was a, a, a problem where he didn't want, you know, maybe people that didn't feel comfortable showing pictures of themselves consuming with their friends. 
they didn't want their grandparents seeing it. Mm-hmm. And that's true. I mean, there's, especially, you know, coming from the East Coast, there's a tremendous amount of, of negative stigma around it. And so yeah. he's just, he's really nailed it. And so that was very exciting for us yeah. to get involved with him and, and grow with him and watch him continue to deliver. And then also, and you the know. The whole team, too. They're a bunch a of team. hustlers. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. All, of the, all of the people that have been there from the beginning, Hyler, Tyler, Stu, Dan, yeah. Dan they're yeah. amazing hyper focused just you know delivering and getting it done mm-hmm. and so and it's been great too working with them with flow hub mm-hmm. as well you know they they all it's so much the people right now and these are all fantastic people yeah and just so it's it, it's go master it's go master. yeah i mean i think it's really important there's a lot of lip service out there kind of to what you were talking about earlier both on the investor side and the founder yep. side yeah and I more really, on the investor side i find way that. more on the yeah. investor side we know yeah. we roll with some <laughs> we know how investors can be, but, you know, um, I think that, you know, the founders, like, it, I believe in this whole principle of, you know, if you're, if you give meaning to your words, then the meaning is pervasive. It, it spreads out into yeah. your actions. Yeah. So if you're just out there talking a bunch of lip service and not actually doing what you're saying, then it's going to start, it'll come back. It won't work out. So, yeah. 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 I know I share that sentiment and I wonder when do we turn the tide here? Because... There are bullshit, you know, normal startup investors, mm-hmm. but it seems to be a far smaller percentage than in cannabis. And I don't know if that's just a hot space or it's easy to say I like weed or whatever, but uh, it does seem to be an issue in, in this mm-hmm. little investment community. Uh, anyway, but you said that deal flow from Masterroots came from Artview. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Artview on the show, but but tell us what Artview is and, and how have they been helpful to you? Mm-hmm. ArcView is a really great um, angel investor network that basically brings founders and investors together so that the founders have a platform from which to share the story of their their idea to investors and where investors have a safe and kind of um, organized space where they can ask questions that are needed and also work within one of work within a group of like-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have found also some of our co-investing, the other guys that are writing checks and ladies. Um, mm-hmm. Good and catch. Good catch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guys is, I'm, I'm using that for all genders. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I always do that too. Is, that, too. is that the right thing to say? Oh, like I got a smack down on that one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So all guys right. and gals right. or something. Something. Um, but I do, that, I mean, the women part of the industry is really important, but yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, for example, we found Duchess Capital, which is another fund yep. that we really yep. like working with. Doug's been on the show. Doug's Dougie. been on the show. Yep. Yes, that's right. Yep. Um, and that whole team. So it's yep. it's really, that's been a really valuable resource um, that we've gained through the ArcView Investor Group is, is the other investors right. that we can say, hey, have you looked at this deal? Yeah, that guy's lying about his patent. Oh, okay. So right. it's you know, it's it's helpful to have other people and, analyze. And it. what's the vetting process like for RQ? I mean, how do you get in? Oh, well, you have a phone call with Jeff Dayton. Okay. And he puts you through the ringer. I'm just kidding. Jeff Dayton's like the nicest guy you could ever meet. <laughs> um, but he is. He does ask thoughtful and thorough questions yeah. about what you're doing there because I think to your point, sometimes the cannabis industry can draw draw yeah draw in some characters that you don't necessarily want around. Um, they I don't think it's that they're shady. They're just kind of bullshitters, right? Like, I, well, there's, I guess, okay, there's maybe there's varying both, degrees. Yeah. You would know better than I. Yeah, yeah we've spectrum. seen a lot of spectrum. Fraud it's a shady, fraud. shitty yeah. <laughs> spectrum. Got it. Sorry, I, I don't know where you pass. You can through. say shit. That's okay. fine. Yeah. I think I cut like three times. Shady to. 
uninformed, maybe? Uninformed and, yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think of the right word behind, like, your When you say well, it, it very, sounds so much more credible than when I say it. What's that? Well, I preach about how there's all these <laughs> bullshit investors everywhere, but you're, like, writing the check, so when you yeah. say it, I believe it. Yeah. I mean, look, it's it's hard to, to, to you know, put the money to work in cannabis. It yeah. takes a lot of work and due diligence and time and a lot of gut checking. Yeah. So I understand that the investor could get way down the road and as one of our friends says, sometimes you have to fall out of love with something and you have mm. to walk away from a deal. Mm. And sometimes you have to walk away from an investment that also didn't work out and just yeah. send it on its way. Yeah. But um, I, I think that what is uh, frustrating to us is that we see it being distracting for founders because raising capital is mm. really, really difficult. Yeah. And it can be really distracting if you're talking to people who really at the end of the day are not actually going to be doing this but are just kind of like this is interesting cannabis you know right so, so you know it's interesting though with this whole uh shitty to to fraudster spectrum well, so, so it's like, uh, <laughs> i'm gonna think about it while you talk but uh, we're gonna make know, an infographic and yeah. post it with this episode there will, we'll do a Venn diagram you know a lot of last year was definitely heavy on the fraudy shitty yes. crowd Okay. And w we've noticed uh, a shift starting to happen. Oh. And maybe you can give Peter Thiel some credit for that, mm. for stepping yeah. up to the plate. Because mm. um, that seems to, for whatever reason, maybe it's, it's probably just a confluence of things. But it, it, whatever the reason, we're starting to see better investors. We're yeah. starting to see some more institutional people coming around. Um, whether it's allocating a small percentage of their funds, maybe not even enough to move the needle for them. They're still they're getting a toehold in. Yeah, um, family offices are coming around. So so people that do write checks, maybe not at the at the rate that the industry needs because it's growing so fast. But at least we're starting to get better better investors involved. And how about the dreaded vice clause, right? Like in a lot of these VCs, yes, it's a big is that problem. starting to go away? Is it starting to include cannabis? I mean, you know, what what do you see in that? Well, yeah. So that's a great that's a great point because we heard that. Um, Dave McClure is thinking about starting a vice fund. Mm. I think I told um, Eric about this the other day, but um, and I was kind, I was bummed. I mean, could there be a better person? I love. No, me too. But to to create a vice fund. Yeah, but the problem is that I don't see cannabis as the same thing as alcohol and tobacco. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. But to LPs, that's the yeah, question. that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. do. They do. they do. A lot of them do. So, yeah. Yeah. And what I've, the, yeah, they have yeah. that what I've right. seen, totally off the record, obviously, is that uh, these VCs are starting to make angel investments of their own on yes. the side yes. because their funds won't allow them to do that because yes. they've taken money from the teachers union or whatever, you right. know. Uh, that's very interesting, right? Because yeah. they're putting their name behind it in mm -hmm. a way, you know, even though it's not officially... That's fascinating. I mean, good for them. Great for yeah. them. Right? It's yeah. progress. It's, it's progress. progress. Yeah. Baby I think that's steps. I think it's the answer, right? Because yeah. at some point that young partner comes to the rest of the fund and yeah. says, Hey, this was very profitable for me. Yeah. We should do these, you know. Yep. Very cool. But you know, I mean, at the same time, I guess it was a good thing that not everybody was writing checks just like crazy last year because the, in the yeah. industry does need to grow up and, and we do need to take take a beat and, and take our time as we build it. Because maybe if a lot of people had written a lot of big checks last year, I mean, we were writing smaller checks last year, we were writing fewer checks last year um, because it, the industry needed some more time mm. from an investment standpoint. Mm. And I think that the destruction of capital that Morgan 
watched from his computer screen in the very beginning months of last year in the OTC markets yep. um, is a good example of, of, that's like a small glimpse of how big it could have been. And then people would have been terrified to ever participate in the cannabis industry mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. That's true. So, and the dead weight would be bigger. Yeah. If, if money would have flowed last year, that was ultimately in the wrong hands. Yeah. And so, we would be flushing that out. You're right. That's a yeah. good point. So yeah. everything works out for a reason. Um, and that's one way that it did work out. But now I think we will see more check writing. And hopefully all the tire kickers will put the punch Kick the tires point. in some other industry. Yeah. 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 Hopefully, right? Uh, so tell me a little bit about the fund. How much has been deployed of it? You know, uh, tell me about your day a little bit. I'm, I'm curious. Like, uh, I'm, I'm sort of jealous. You guys told Brian Holmes the same thing. Like, my heroes. You go to work every day and write checks to cannabis companies, you know. Uh, what's the deal flow like? I mean, is your inbox just, like, brewing with, with decks every day? I mean, what's it look like? Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing as uh, we qualify all of our flow, but, um, you know, usually the inbound flow is high degree of skepticism because mm. if they're pounding on our door, there's right, something right. concerning about that. The best ones are always ones that we get introduced to, whether it's through our whole portfolio of companies at this point, um, which is awesome. You know, we love yeah. when entrepreneurs have great entrepreneurs that they bring to us because um, there's already that certain level of, of understanding of, what our demands are, you know, so they, you know, before they're going to be like, go talk to Poseidon, mm. but, you know, they're going to, they're going to put you through it. Make so, sure you have all these things to answer and yeah. make sure your, your shit's in shape. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so we're, so they're already up to their game a bit. And then also just through our co-investing network. Um, but I mean, it's amazing. I mean, we've well over a thousand companies in the last year alone um, that have come across our desk and, you know, boiling it down to 25 or so investments. Um, you know, it's just amazing mm -hmm. um, how much has come through and how much is actually stuck, mm. you know, and, and probably pretty traditional numbers, I guess, if you were to compare it to, to other industries, tech and, yep. and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, it's, it's a big balance for us between on a daily basis of vetting deal flow, you know, mapping out what our strategy view is, where we're looking to allocate subsector wise, um, you know, what, what we're trying to do and and so we've we have a queue of companies that we're always talking to mm. uh, whether or not they're actually seeking funding at the moment but mm. or building that relationship for when that opportunity sets itself up because you know as Emily said is you know uh, seed stage is only part of what we do it's a, it's a smaller percentage actually um, you know we're growth and beyond you know however you want to qualify that um, we qualify it certain ways whether it's series a or b or whatever it just depends on where we see them if they're revenue generating how much are they generating to qualify them at that growth stage so mm -hmm. you know we have these some of these conversations going on and then it's also um, M from her background is always actively digging and trying to find other opportunities that are not just coming to us so it's not just we're not just sitting there waiting for the deal flow yeah, you know sure. we're actively building our pipeline um yeah yeah Totally. And if you will, what are some of those sources? You know, where do, where do you dig up companies? Where do you, where do you find new ones? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think just looking at the industry, not just as a cannabis industry, but as like an ag tech industry, as um, a social industry, as an industry with products. And so, I mean, just looking at all of the other ways you can examine it. Um, but so we did go to an ag tech conference. I took some cards of companies there that I think could have some interesting applications to the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. Whether or not they're interested is another story, but 
you never know how things could shift around. Um, the hemp thing is definitely interesting. It doesn't get as much um, focus as other is the right. medical cannabis side of things or yep. rec cannabis side of yep. things. But I mean, I just really realized how many things hemp is used for. It's amazing. It's incredible. I, mean, I think most yeah. people have this idea of like, oh, it's in some clothes or maybe like candle, I don't know, or something. Yeah. But like in my office, we have hemp protein powder, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. They're like putting smoothies and stuff. I mean, what are some of the crazy use cases that you see? Though? Just yeah, you, I'm, BMW, the new electric car, the panels in that are made out of hemp because they're lighter weight than oh. any other thing. And then it has like, ten, what, 10x the tensile strength yeah. of steel. Oh. Um, it's 2x the tensile strength of cotton. And as it's washed more and more, it doesn't wear out. It just gets softer. Wow. Um, it's also being used in an airplane right now. It's being used in construction instead surfboards. of um, surfboards. Um, but it's instead of using uh, different things to mix up concrete, they're, use, they're creating hempcrete, which is super light and porous and actually is responsive to the environment in terms of humidity and temperature. Mm. So there are videos on the internet about these different hemp homes that have been built in South Africa, North Carolina, and now on Long Island. Um, it's something that LEED certified uh, architects and engineers are looking at integrating into more housing because it's way better for building with and yeah. way less toxic for living environments and way more efficient in terms of heating and cooling. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's a, and a lot of people in the, it's interesting that we're seeing on the higher end of um, building. It's not like low end construction. It's people who oh. are informed who are really interested in, in making this a part of their homes. Got it. Um, so that's really cool. And also, it can be used to replace battery acid. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. There's this guy, Doug Fine. He's the absolute, one of the best mouthpieces around hemp. He's done all the research. He wrote a book called Hemp Bound. And it's very thin, but it's packed with information. Cool. It's pretty cool. Is it written on hemp? Hemp is it typed on So hemp? it wasn't initially, because that's one of the things we don't have. So because the government banished hemp alongside of medical cannabis, and all, for so many reasons, it's so silly, but... Um, there are no kind of paper factories that could mm. make paper easily out of hemp. I mean, they're starting to come back, but right. it's extremely expensive. And yeah. I was delighted when I got my Meadow recommendation mm -hmm. because it comes on hemp paper. That's awesome. It was that very awesome. cool. Yeah. Shout out to Hua with those yeah. little details all the time. Yeah. Shout out to Hua. I'm going to get our next Poseidon shirts on Recreator LA cool. hemp. Oh, I, I met them the other night. Yeah, yeah I met them the other oh, night. Oh, were you at the Weed Club? I was, yeah. I was at the Weed Club thing. Yeah. Shout out Weed Club. We'll do something yeah. together, too. Yeah. Um, do you have a yeah. feeling for like how big uh, the market of hemp could be? You know, how, how much of it are we, is underutilized, I guess, is you know, I don't have that number. I feel like that's You can a, guess. There's no wrong answer, Siri. You know, how much do we import? Two, two billion? Yeah. yeah. Like I think ultimately, I th personally, I think hemp is going to be multiples of the size of cannabis yeah. mm -hmm. uh, as time goes on. I mean, before World War II, we had the most diverse uh, and powerful seed bank, hemp seed bank in the world. That was like considered one of our assets. Mm going into the war, mm -hmm. uh, which is incredible to think. But I mean, when you just talk about, you know, as Emily was mentioning, all of those areas of applications, you're talking about serious competition to the oil industry from plastics and fibers and, um, yeah, you know, so, yeah, it's incredible. To the cotton industry from clothing, to the paper industry, lumber. I mean, the amount of time that it so takes to corn. grow a hemp field versus how long it takes to replenish a forest. It's just insane. It's its completely backwards. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, from an industrial, just an overall economic standpoint, it's its massive. Mm -hmm. 
So how to quantify that is pretty hard. If you I want to take down all those, you said industries. multiples bigger than than, yeah. than cannabis, yeah. right? Than yeah. well, not cannabis, than recreational. Yeah. And, and, yeah. The uh, farmers want it back, and get, but for whatever it's worth, Canada's subsidizing it because mm-hmm. they're trying to get it to grow more because they're seeing the benefits mm-hmm. of it. So very cool. Yeah. So I'll get you out, you guys out of here on some some fun questions. Okay. Put all the business stuff behind us for a few seconds. I'll assume both of you consume cannabis given the the world that you that you work in. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, yeah, 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 just silently, like unofficially. Kind of. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely yeah. officially. Cool, very. And cool. You know, actually, one of our favorite ways to consume is using another plug here: the Vape Exhale, <laughs> ah, the Evo. Yes. If you haven't tried oh, the Evo yet, yeah. it is by far the best vaporizer. Yes. It changes everything. Yeah. So we have something very special in store for the vape enthusiast coming up very soon, uh, and that'll be going live pretty soon. But we're going to do a little vape tank with some investors cool. and a few vape companies and kind of let them duel it out. So nice. that's going to be very fun. That's going to be very fun. Sabo's yeah. a champ. Yeah, so no, and I've such a good guy. I mean, such guy. a good guy. From the original uh, Yam fam over there at mm-hmm. Yammer. Yeah. I had a lot of friends that worked at Yammer. Uh, but anyway, there was a question there somewhere about consuming, about about consuming cannabis, right? I'm trying to reconcile in my mind this perception of, let's be fair, middle-aged white men investors and cannabis consumers, right? So as you kind of build your company and look for to invest in, I mean, culturally, like, if a company is smoking all day, is that a red flag? I mean, wh- how, where does that get crossed off on the due diligence, you know? Well, it matters how you handle your shit. Yeah, um, okay. I, <laughs> that's a good answer. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, look, I don't, I support people consuming wine and beer and I, I know there are certain tasks that are best done without wine and beer in the system. Mm-hmm. So I think it really has to come down to being responsible about when and what you're using. Mm-hmm. If someone was using a CBD product all day, it wouldn't, I don't even think I'd bat an eye because sure. I know that CBD actually helps to um, calm down unnecessary and unuseful anxiety and that will then help you to make better decisions. Um, You know, I take CBD before I speak a lot of the time Mm. on stage because Mm. it just, I feel the physiological um, reactions to nervousness going away. So, um, so yeah, I think it would be a red flag if it felt like it was something that was um, holding them back from doing a good job and making good decisions. That would be my answer to that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's responsible consumption. And that's what you know we're all about with this industry anyway. Yeah. I mean, we're, we want to show that you can, it can be a part of, of your life. It's just depending on what's the right times for it to be a part of your life, mm-hmm. as long as it's not impacting your business. You know, and obviously heavy machinery operators, I don't think there's ever a time you should be any kind of different state of mind. I mean, we've uh, got to get the smoking and driving just out of, out of society, right? We need to right? figure that out. Yeah, we yeah. need to figure that out because at least... Uh, the current generation has mostly accepted that drinking and driving is unacceptable. Right, right, right. right. Much to the help of the Ubers and the Lyfts of the yeah. world. That's probably the biggest yeah. benefit that they offer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion. Breathalyzers. Um, yeah, breathalyzers, exactly, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, how do we do that? I mean, how, how do we kind of decouple those things? Well, we haven't figured out what it means to measure impairment on cannabis yeah. yet. And so that's where the problem of the breathalyzer comes into play, because it could say, oh, you have X amount of THC in your body. But what does that mean? Yeah, there's no way to know active or dormant. Walk a line and smoke last week. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, So until we, this is another area where research needs to be done. Until we can figure out what impairment, what controls impairment in terms of THC in the body, Mm -hmm. active THC being most important. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, it's tough too. I mean, because like you think about impairment and, and not to relate the two to alcohol too much, but just think about, you know, how they tried to come up with 0.08, but think about just the varying ways that people can get there because of what they've eaten, how much they've slept, yeah. Yeah. what their tolerance levels yeah. is. And, and so what really truly means impairment. Yeah, um, I like yeah, so that new app. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. That I, app that tests your, there's an app that tests like motor skills and reasoning. I can't remember the uh -huh. name of it. It was in that international business time. See, now that makes more sense. Very what cool, yeah. What's that called? Um, it's specifically called, for um, cannabis or for being inebriated? And, you know. It's it's for anything, but as, uh, cannabis, ha they're, they've focused it in on cannabis. Does anyone know the name of that app? It's called like Nest or something. Anyway, the other thing is, I think that people used to go for drives and get high because they had to hide had their to. consumption. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. if we can make it so that you can consume it in a public place or in a, a setting like you would in a bar and you can consume it comfortably in places where you're not going to be looked at in a different way, then hopefully people won't be getting it. I think you hit right on the head of yeah. how people look at you yeah. because legally we don't really have this problem, right? You can't smoke in a bar, but I smoke outside of bars all I the time. Everywhere. It's no big deal, yeah. right? Nobody tells me anything. But yeah. it's the stigma of most people that they're still not comfortable like doing that in front of everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that something you guys experience? I mean, we live in San Francisco, right? So it's a little different, but Very talk about the yeah. stigma a little bit. Well, you know, it's actually kind of what's cool about Mass Roots yeah. is they're making it much more social. Um, and, social. And, yeah. And, and as we learn more about the different strains and how, you know, what kind of experience you're looking for, um, you know, for, for myself, I'm not usually looking for like a heavy indica and being social. Yeah. You know, if anything, I'm, I'm much more subdued and, sure. and want to relax. And so, you know, as we understand what's, what is a good social consumption, you know, I think that also helps. And, and for a lot of people that are not regular consumers, you know, that would be potentially crossing over if they felt laws supported it, you know, they want to, you want to have them be in a setting that is, is welcoming and, and um, giving them that comfort level so that when they do feel that initial high, it's not a paranoia right, or right. a discomfort. And so part of that would be having good atmospheres for people to go in. You know, it's kind of crazy. It's like Colorado, you still don't have that. Um, so, th so you have all these tourists coming in, but there's technically nowhere there's for no them lounge. to consume it. Yeah. Interesting. So, so they so do it on happening? the tour bus. Yeah. Right. Um, right, right. Or now you're starting to see some button breakfast popping up, but that's kind of... Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't worry about it too much in California. Yeah. If we were back in my yeah. hometown, I would be... Well, the vape pen, people might not even know they what the know heck the I'm doing. Yeah. Right. So... Yeah. Um, but in California, I feel like we're in good company. Yeah. It's like the music, the land of music festivals yep. out here. So everybody's cool with it. Yeah. The land Spark, of music. <laughs> Spark is really cool about with yeah. their vapor area too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that perception of like people just hanging out. Yeah. It's yeah. cool. And how about you guys personally? What, what kind of strains do you like? How do you like to smoke it? You know, what, what kind of consumer are you? Well, I really like the CBD, the heavier CBD products okay. a lot. Um, I, I tend to be a lightweight, so I also do like some of the vapor pens. Um, some of them will knock you over, though. Um, yeah, the vape I, is nice for being social, kind of. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's, I call it my mobile solution. Yeah. That's a good mobile my solution. Joke, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, you smoke a little That's bit a and you still joke. talk, whatever, outside of a bar. Yeah, um, but I prefer vaping over smoking a lot. Really? Yeah, a lot. Because I um, much don't prefer that. Like really? in my house, it's flowers. Like I'm not flowers. Well, flowers. vaping flowers. Oh, okay. I use Fair like enough. the packs yeah. or the vape exhale. Still not as fun. Though. 
You have to try the VFX hose. You not tried I it? Tried it. It's I a tried party. It. Yeah. I don't know. I really like that <laughs> flower. The flower because you can taste the whole profile. Then it for me becomes like wine or beer tasting. You taste all of the notes across your palate. Okay. Yeah. Uh, totally geeking out on this. Um, I like sativas. Yeah. Um, and I'm into the veganic stuff. I think it's really fun. Yeah. So, so viewers of this show know that I like Green Crack a lot, okay, right. which is the worst, worst, the worst name, name for cannabis, yeah. but fantastic effects. Yeah. So uh, how about you, Morgan? What, what do you like? So what's in my pipe right now is uh, Pure Platinum, okay. uh, which is uh, uh, outdoor grown. Yeah. Um, and But it's an indica heavy. and But I mean, it's man, it's great. Like when I, for me, a lot of uh, cannabis consumption is for turning this off. When yep. I need to just relax or, and the biggest thing also is for sleep. Mm -hmm. I have a terrible problem of waking up in the middle of the night, mm. 3 a.m. and I'm toast. So usually if I have a nice indica at night, this Pure Platinum's got the horsepower that gets me through that 3 a.m. and then I'm good until, um, until the morning. But I do, I'm a big hybrid guy too. When I want to get the creative juices going. Yeah. Because uh, if it's too sativa heavy, I tend to, then I could kind of go, in the in a negative direction, but if it's a nice balance, I'm trying to think of one of more recent strains I've had. Um, the Doctor Who good. is amazing. Doctor Who is that's, awesome. I think Three that's Kings. a nice hybrid. Have you had Three Kings? Uh -huh. Doctor yeah. Who. Yeah. yeah. Doctor um, Who. is like kicking Hepburns ass right now. Hepburns is awesome. Shout out now that's David a time Hula. I like yeah. the joints. Yeah. What's that? I, Hula just loves the Hepburns. <sighs> yeah. He uh, made a point to show us the Hepburns on this That's show right. when he. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a fun little party treat to take out with your kids. It friends. is. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. It's got so, the. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And how do you like to smoke? You said in pipe or or how do you? How do you well, generally, uh, I've got the vape exhale. The got it. That's got my, it. my that's my go to. Good uh, so do you yeah. do a bong when you're doing flowers or? You know, I I consume <laughs> in all modes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we have a nice bong. Her name is Belle. She's in the oh. shape of a bell. Oh, nice. Cool. Girlfriend, is it one of the clear mistress. Ones? Uh, <laughs> the other lady. The other lady. Uh, yeah, it's clear. Yeah. It's uh, very scientific looking. Oh, yeah, it has an cool. engraved uh, outline of California on it. Mm -hmm. That was pretty cool. Pretty oh. cool. Uh, I uh, I like to roll joints a lot. Mm -hmm. So I like to say I have bars, which is badass rolling skills. Nice. I don't know if you know that acronym, but that's some know? like Oakland like shit. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, I'm not from Oakland, but I think they I think they coined that. I'm pretty yeah. sure they coined yeah. that. Uh, how else do I like to smoke? Well, the mobile solution. I, I have the absolute extracts. Yeah. Uh, I do like uh, just like a simple pipe every once in a while. It sounds nice cool. too. Yeah. yeah. All, almost. Yeah. yeah, I'm a little bit of a traditionalist in that way. Yeah, <laughs> cool. I guess. I think there will always be traditionalists and traditional ways to consume. Well, I mean, when you roll a joint, it's such a social moment. Totally. Right? Which is like what it's all about, in mm -hmm. my opinion. You know? Yeah. Awesome, guys. Well, I think we'll end on that one. Cool. Thanks so much for being here. Thank it was you. an awesome conversation. And uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, throw out your emails there real quick, or they should go to PoseidonAssetManagement.com. Maybe we shouldn't give out your email. No way. No, I mean, the email address is just so dang long. Wow. It's unbelievable. So, um, PoseidonAssetManagement.com is Got a it. good way to... Got it. We're on Facebook, Twitter. Oh, yeah, Twitter. Every, you know. yeah. I do a lot of tweeting. Do you? Oh, we all do. Um, what do you tweet about? Just cannabis different and articles? Actually, and yeah, and also investing in general. Like, we follow a lot of our VC um, gods on there, so we like to kind of take a cool. look at what they're doing and talking about. Do you yeah. see that Chris Saka filmed a Shark Tank episode yes. today. Yes. <laughs> so I retweeted cool. it. I tweeted it, yeah. So cool. Periscope. Cool. It's on Periscope. It's on Periscope, yeah. yeah. I love Periscope. So he is like I from I think we're probably hometown. Periscoping right now. Somewhere. Do you know him? 
I don't know Chris. I mean, I've met him. But He's I don't from know like him. our yeah. neck of the woods where ah, we grew up. Ah, yeah. cool. Does everyone wear shirts like that there? No. Nope. But I like that he does. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. No, <laughs> Chris Sock is the man. Chris yeah. Sock is the man. Um, yeah, but we also blog, and so we'll tweet about our blogs. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So. Awesome. Thanks again, guys. It was really, really fun. Thanks for watching, supporting independent media. Uh, we are everywhere that media is consumed. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. I, I don't know. There's so many channels. You can ask Jacob. He'll tell you. Uh, you could email us. I think we're investing at cannabis at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, if you want to be on the show, if you want to sponsor, we got our first sponsor. Shout Ooh. out. Not releasing it yet, but shout out to our first sponsor. Independent media. Independent media. Thanks again, guys. <laughs> See you next time.